Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick. Talking some volatility this morning in individual stocks. You know the drill. Tesla continues to be volatile. But we're not going to spend too much time on Tesla today. We want to talk about this very interesting deal with SPG and TCO. And we'll look at the uh, the pre-market activity and also the, the daily chart. For very interesting trading happening in those two stocks. Uh, one is buying 80% of the other this morning. So we'll talk through that. A couple earnings on our radar. L Brand is on our radar as well. They're all floating Victoria's Secret supposedly this week. And our guest today, Paul Monica from CNN Business. He would join us at 8.15. In the meantime, Joel, what's going on here in the overnight session? Uh, we're down by just two and a half handles, 33.23. A big old range overnight. They pounded it down to 33.050. By the dippers were up last night watching the Academy Awards. They brought it all the way back to 34.50. Uh, we backed off the level, so I'm, I'm just going to have to wait to see if we can bust above that pre-market high. Pre-market low looks safe for now, but uh, still uh, early early today. Crude, trying to stay over 50 bucks, down 15 cents at 15.17. Gold in the green by 3.30 at 15.76.70. Silver, trying to get over 18, up 8.8 .8 cents, or make it 9.3 at 17.785. And how long is Bitcoin going to hang out at 10000 without breaking above. Futures are up $95, $100 at $99.45. And folks, believe it or not, there's volume coming into Bitcoin here. I don't know if it's institutions coming in to buy it, but uh, just overall volume in this has been increasing steadily along with the open interest. It's been going up. So that's, that is some bullish indicators here for Bitcoin. You won't hear me say that too often. Triple D. Where is the Bitcoin price? Uh, the futures are just under 10,000. I mean, this is what, you know, when you have, you know, a little bit of world turmoil potentially going on, this is the kind of environment that Bitcoin is supposed to do well in. So I'm not surprised that Bitcoin would be starting to catch a bit here. I mean, if people are worried about contagion, they're worried about all this stuff. The Bitcoin has been a kind of a flight to safety there. So I'm actually not surprised at that. I'm not jumping in. I, I, like I've said before, I'm not a crypto trader. I've never, I don't plan on being a crypto trader. And I'm not going to speculate in really in crypto. I stick to equities because that's what I feel like I know better, even though I feel like I know nothing in this market. But, but, but before that, how was your weekend? Uh, weekend was good. A uh, couple swims. Michigan basketball victory. Much needed over Michigan State. So that was fun. You see that Duke game? That Duke-North Carolina game? Spencer, yeah. yeah. I, I watched that game. That was oh. crazy. And it, 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 it was the slowest game ever because the last 10 seconds took like it felt like two hours. But <laughs> twice, I, twice North Carolina blew it. I, th I think the runtime was close to three hours on that game. It was a long game. That last like 10, 20 seconds felt like it took an hour. But unbelievable. You know, at the play right at the end where he missed the bat to tie the game. He misses the free throw on purpose, bounces back, gets his own rebound. And gets her up there and throws him in the air to tie the game. Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool to tie the game. And then almost similar play in overtime where they were up, uh, but he accidentally missed the free throw because the free throw would have tied it. Then they get the rebound, they get the ball in the air, and they tip it in for the win. Pretty exciting game. Yeah, it was fun. Well, we uh, for a Monday morning here, right, you come in, you think there's not much going on, but there's a lot going on. There's oh, yeah. two huge stories here. Uh, do you want to start with the one with the local flavor here? Sure. 
That'd be TCO. So let's do it. The headline this morning: Simon Property Group ticker SPG is buying 80% of Taubman Center's ticker TCO for a price of 52.50 a share in cash. But that's not the real story here. Real story. Wow. Oh, I don't know if there's a real story here. We, we look conspiracy theory, but look at that chart in yeah. TCO ahead of this deal. Just bring up the daily and show it. What's up? Huge move. Huge move. Sorry. On the low of the move, making multi-year lows. And, and then just all of a sudden. More stealth updates. But you know what, Dennis? It wasn't just on like, uh, we're just going to go up for, for updates, right? It hadn't traded a million shares in four sessions. Here are the last uh, five sessions. Four million, 7.8 million, 3.5 million, 2 million, and almost 3 million. Holy moly, a local company like that, and they don't even send a memo over this one. Yeah, we should have got the memo on I, this I one. Looks like everybody got the memo except us. <laughs> Not that we would trade on inside information. We would never do that, but it does. It. Like this chart looks like some people knew this deal was happening. I mean, maybe it's wrong, and you look, and yeah, the TLT had some movements, and that can have influence here uh, on the REITs, but this is the biggest move that this stock has had in years. Straight up from 26 to 35 in four days ahead of this deal. Now 52, you know, and the deal's on the table for $52 and some or 75 cents or whatever it is. Crazy, crazy that, you know, that stuff like this happens. But we also got another one that just uh, broke too. So just before uh, we'll just talk, put these two deals together. Well, before you do it. um, Yeah, go. And they're not pounding uh, SPG over this. No, I know. Why? There's a good question there too, because initially they did bring up the SPG chart. They initially did hit this, which you would think. I mean, here you've got a REIT buying another REIT, the REITs and, you know, and buying a mall REIT, to, to say the least. I mean, and they did hit this thing down slightly, but then they bought it right back up. So they're paying a huge premium for a mall REIT, which I don't even know why you want to buy a mall. Maybe SPG probably has, you know, it's the synergies here. But still, I mean, TCO, did you really need to pay that much of a premium here? Not even getting the whole company. They're only getting 80% of the company. So I challenge that you need to pay that much a premium for this company. I mean, really, you know, I, I don't know. It was really at $26 five days ago. So you can say, yeah, it was 35 and you can do the premium from that price. But I, I just challenge whether not, there wasn't a few people cash. who knew this deal. It is not, it's cash. So it's not tied to the SPG price at all, right? Cash. I'm telling you. And that's a little bit to do with it too. So good good point, Joel. I mean, when you see the risk garbs and they knock the stocks down because they're buying up one and knocking the other one down to put on the spread. So there's a good point there. On a cash deal, you don't always see it move as much, but still like the premium they're paying, I would have thought they'd knock it down a bit. It's only down 50 cents. So, and it's already come back. So it looks like they're not going to knock it down. It's bid pretty substantially here. Looks like it's going to hold up. So I'm not shorting it. Man, what a gift though. Uh, what a gift for anybody that's bought this stock since, uh, you know. Huge gift. Since 2019. You're going up. back, yeah. You're going back basically a year and a half of just, you know, it's been in the gutter. A mall REIT. I mean, think about the where the, the, the real estate market is. I mean, we've been talking about mall-based retailers, besides Lululemon. Mall-based retailers are all in the gutter. And here you've got, you know, a, a company that specializes in the property of, you know, malls. And you're paying a huge premium for it. I don't get this at all. I guess, I guess you know, there's synergies there. It's obviously a REIT acquiring a REIT, so there must be some synergies that they see. But to need to pay that much of a premium, you couldn't get this deal down at 40 The thing was at 26 bucks a week and a half ago. I mean, 40 would have been a huge premium if you consider from 26 So if, from, if you consider the price from 26 to 52 it's 100% premium. It uh, doesn't make any sense to me. But before we move on, uh, it is Tanger. I see that's up 59 cents at 14.01. Oh, yeah. Probably people speculate. Yeah. There's going to be more acquisitions. So good call there, too, Joel. I mean, yeah, your synergy place. Look at some Anything of those else property-based can... REITs here. The mall, especially the mall ones, which Tanger is obviously outlet centers. But, I mean, it's not a stretch to think that, well, maybe they're going to buy Maybe they got a deal. Maybe Simon has a deal. And they're going to turn all the, you know, all these malls into Amazon warehouses or something. And that's, they got a big deal with Amazon. I don't know. I'm flabbergasted that they needed to pay that kind of premium for that company. This isn't like a hot, you know, like yeah. growth company here. This is a company that is having trouble. I mean, the, the stock chart of this before six days ago, when everybody appears to have got the memo was straight down for two years. And you called this, Joel, you know, back when it was 72, you were like, 
I don't know, this is, you know, was your long-term short thesis. And it was absolutely right. Stock was $72 on the day in the show when you were calling this back in 2016. And it just kept leaking for the last three years. So you've been right. But here, I guess if you hold on to those shorts too long, I guess eventually yeah, you get punished. Eventually. And what was the other? Bring the register. What was the other breaking thing? We that- just had Xerox raising their offer for HP from 22 bucks a share to 24 bucks a share. This is a stock and cash proposal. Again, stock not trading all the way up to those prices because HPQ already rejected it. Are they going to accept this deal? I don't know. I just had my HPQ and I sold it on the initial uh, pop in the deal. You can see way back to November when it would originally pop. The reason I did that was I got spooked because Fox Business was saying they could reverse this and HPQ could go grab Xerox. But I, I, we, we don't know how this story is going to end. It's still going on. So obviously scared to be short by a company like HPQ. Um, XRX is trading down slightly on this as well, not h- hitting it hard. They've raised the price, but I think the market is, you know, obviously saying because HPQ is not even trading close to $24 price. Market's saying that it's very unlikely that HPQ accepts this deal. Uh, it, it, this one was kind of telegraphed. I mean, they basically came out and said, no, this is, uh, this is too low. And uh, they upped the bid. Who knows where it's going? I know they got people on the board here, yeah. uh, more representation. Uh, we'll see. Uh, 23 bucks. That's where it's on the table at now. Uh, 24. 24. Cash wow. and stock, though. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, 24 cash. A little arbitrage you there. Up a buck oh four. You did get a spike as people are not reading the tea leaves here. You did. What you spike up to? Did it get to 24? Uh, view data and windows show old data. I think it did. HFTL goes butter up there. HPQ. Uh, it got to twenty three forty nine so far, so yeah. a little trepidation there. Little, little, little bit too high on that twenty four dollar takeout price. So, okay, so we got that. Let's move over. We weren't going to talk Tesla the whole show, but we have got to talk it for a few minutes here. It's up another forty eight dollars, and you know what the driver here is today? If you are just waking well, up it, here it, this morning, in your in your opinion, not in it my. It is. It is the driver. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, okay, go ahead. So, what do you think the driver is, Spencer? Because you're wrong. But what what, what do you think the driver is? <laughs> what do you think? I, I think. Tesla does not need a driver, first of all. It doesn't uh, need a driver. They have driverless cars. Yeah, they don't. Exactly. They're exactly. autonomous. They don't need a driver. Uh, uh, I, so I, I don't think they're – if you want to find one, I would say they, the fact that they re, reopened their production facility in Shanghai. But, I, but That is absolutely not the driver. It's an opinion piece from Forbes because everybody is talking about this on Twitter. And it's, it's crazy that it's talking about $50 on an opinion piece, but – Opinion piece from Forbes that Google could acquire this company for as much as $1,500 a share, and here is why. And it was I, an opinion. There's I no rumors or no anything, but people see that. They read the headline, and they're like, Forbes is saying Tesla could go out at $1,500. bucks. google has going to buy Tesla. Bye, 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 bye. That's why, what has happened. Here's why I don't think that. First of all, it's not even it, – it's like it's not technically. You don't think that has any influence on well, just, the stock just, price? Just listen, listen. I, it's not even technically correct to say it's like from Forbes. This is from a Forbes contributor. Exactly. It's a big difference. My mom could it's be a Forbes a, wealthy, wealthy woman could be a Forbes contributor if she. I wants. could be a Forbes contributor. We all could be, could be a Forbes, Forbes contributor. Forbes is not saying this. It is on Forbes.com. They're not saying this. It's just some person. But they printed um, and, it. And, and thank you for they the clarification it. of that. But what I will tell you is the media and people, this is a cult stock. They don't read it like that. They read it. They look at the headline. I see it multiple places in my Twitter feed. Forbes is reporting that Tesla could get bought by Google. That is how. So, yes, you're absolutely right. People can't read. It's, it's nonsense <laughs> that you would buy this up $50 on this. It still is the catalyst here this morning. This is the catalyst. It's a, this is how irrational this market is. It's a perfect, you know, this is a, a, a perfect example of how irrational this stock can be and this market can be. And it's come down significantly. Joel, how high did we get? We were way higher than this. Uh, we got to eight, eight, 1935. 30 so, points yeah, off the high. Yeah. So we're so back a third of the gains. And you know what? People uh, are realizing what Spencer Israel is saying. Hey, this actually didn't come from Forbes. This is just an opinion piece in Forbes. And uh, 828 is mid-range, so man, oh, man, be licking your chops if it gets up to 828. Of course, go to 838, 848. But all these people caught, too, um, under this landslide here from, uh, what, that uh, 968, 99 high down to 687. So we'll see 
see if we can get to 828 today. Right. Mr. LaMonica on the I, background? I, I, I want to get Paul's thoughts we, on we, this. We get Paul's thoughts on this, and we'll see All if right. Paul can Paul, Paul LaMonica is a digital correspondent at CNN Business. Paul, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Doing okay, Paul. Um, I guess I, what's I this? Uh, what's this electric car stock you're talking about? Never heard of it. <laughs> I don't even know what to ask him. Honestly, I'll, I'll ask him. I'll ask Paul. So okay, so obviously, and we know Paul's always kind. He knows what's going on. Um, so we got an opinion piece coming from Forbes this morning, an opinion piece, and they say that here's uh, you know a reason why Google should acquire Tesla for fifteen hundred dollars a share. And I read through my Twitter feed, Paul, and there's just multiple people saying. Google might buy Twitter for fi- or, or, or Google might buy Tesla for $1,500 a share. And it's like, this wasn't really the way, this was an opinion piece on a reason why, you know, that th- this person thinks Google should do this. This wasn't like for speculating that this is going to happen. But the stock right. there is no evidence whatsoever to suggest that a deal is going to take place, None. let alone one at such an insane value as this writer is expressing in his opinion piece that Google could pay. Could Google afford to pay $1,500 a share for Tesla? Of course, it has a ton of cash. But does Google, through Alphabet, which is working on, uh, you know, its own driverless technology, uh, you know, through Waymo, really want to buy Tesla? I I don't think so. I mean, we've had rumors before about Tesla as an acquisition target. And I just don't see another company willing to spend that much money on Tesla. And, and then there's the other aspect. Does Elon Musk want to sell? I mean, yeah, you could argue that he, he cashes in and then he can focus more on SpaceX and the boring company and, you know, Grimes and whatever else is going on in his life. But, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, this is clearly a guy that uh, likes running Tesla. And I can't imagine any situation where he would be able to sell Tesla to a larger tech company and remain in control to the extent that he is now. So thoughts on the stock trading up. Originally this morning, it was up as much as 70 points. And this was the catalyst here today. I mean, Spencer was saying, oh, it could be, you know, if they reopen stores. Now, everybody's reading. It's all through my Twitter streams, probably through yours too, Paul. People are talking about this piece. And it's yeah, just because I think it's, that that it's a cool thing to talk about. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you have a lot of companies that are trying to get, the, get back to business as usual in China in light of the coronavirus, and they're not all up 6%, you know, pre-market or, you know, even higher exactly. at one point earlier in the day. I, I do agree with you that this Forbes piece is the reason why Tesla's higher today. Whether or not yeah. it, you know, where it opens and where it closes, I guess, remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, for the time being, it's investors are definitely at least choosing to believe, if not that this is something that could actually happen, they believe that it's a reason why the stock could go up today. What are your thoughts here just overall? I mean, this is, seems like just irrational movement here. And I've been challenging the rationality in this market altogether. Even to, let's get your thoughts just on the coronavirus. I mean, here's the market. It has completely discounted any risk overall from the coronavirus. And even the risk, you know, China's you know, basically shut down for all intents and purposes, at least a lot of China. And the market just keeps making all-time highs. What are your thoughts here? I mean, I know we went off a little bit on Friday, but, you know, really no, no. in perspective, the market is basically at all-time highs. I mean, when SARS happened, the market fell 20%. When Ebola happened, the market fell significantly as well. We're in different times now. Everybody's got the FOMO going a little bit. But with the market making new all-time highs with, you know, China basically being shut down, I scratch my head. What are your thoughts yeah, here? I, I'm, I'm surprised also. I think that the only rational explanation is that investors clearly must be hoping that this is a health scare that ultimately – as awful as it obviously has been, you know, because so many people have, uh, have, have died, that this is not going to become a global pandemic and that it may wind up being just a quarterly blip for the Chinese economy and that that's why investors are maybe looking past it and not getting all that worried. But I agree with you that this is something that it is a bit puzzling that investors have really brushed off any fears about this because obviously if China's economy slows, that's going to hurt the U.S. economy, that's going to hurt Europe's economy. It is not something that we could write off as, uh, you know, an isolated event for just, uh, you know, the Chinese economy. It will have ripple effects. And there obviously is still, uh, you know, there are still some concerns about just, you know, what 
this, this virus could wind up doing more directly to you know the U.S. if you had more cases here and other uh, developed markets. Like my head scratcher too is on the on the cruise lines, and I've been talking about this all last week as well. I mean, here you get another sixty three confirmed cases. They're now talking about testing the entire ship that is off of Japan. Yet the cruise lines, I know they got hit Friday, but before that they seem to be holding up fairly well. I just think logically it's like, eh, would I want to go on a cruise right now? And again, maybe it's the quarterly thing. Maybe they think this is going to be a bad quarter, probably for, you know due to this coronavirus, and you know it'll be back to business as usual three months from now. And maybe that's the case, but. Right. I tell you, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to I'm, go book a cruise right now. No, I agree. And I, 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 I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there because, I mean, when you look at the charts, I mean, I don't think investors are writing off the worries uh, in certain sectors the way they are maybe at the broader market. You look at Carnival, for example. It's a stock it, it is that down. began the year at about 51 and change. It's, it's now at 42 and change. It has come down extremely uh, sharply. And, you know, you could pretty much say the same thing for – all the others, I mean, Royal Caribbean, I'm looking at them right True. now, 134 True. at the start of the year. It's below 112 at this point. And, you know, I'm pretty sure Norwegian has had a uh, similar uh, drop. It's not been as severe, but it's still, you know, pretty drastic. You know, it's stock that was trading around 58, 58 50 to under 53. So these are three stocks that clearly investors are nervous about the economic impact on these particular companies in this industry. You know, and I think you're saying that to a lesser extent with other travel companies. I mean, obviously, you know, airlines, you know, there, there are issues beyond coronavirus uh, affecting them, but that's a big issue. Of course, uh, you know, the casino companies that have a presence in Macau, they're, uh, you know, you would have to think that they're going to be hurt financially by having their uh, operations closed for, for a long period of time. Uh, Paul, I want to ask you about a stock that we did not talk about last week, but you did, and that is Casper. They had their IPO, I want to say Thursday, if that sounds correct. It, it was, yes. Okay. Uh, catch us up on, on the first two days of trading in Casper and, uh, and the details of that IPO. Yeah, it's uh, not looking all that promising uh, just yet. I mean, Casper, the good news is that the stock did go up on its first day of trading, but that is after they had to cut the offering price pretty dramatically. And then, uh, you know, the stock kind of lost momentum throughout the day, closed near the lows of the day, fell again on, fell on Friday, low about 18%. And looking at pre-market, Casper's down another uh, 7% or so pre-market. So uh, this is a stock that uh, I think investors are rightfully very skeptical of because, Despite all their fun puzzles that they have on the subway ads, not sure if you've seen any of them, and uh, you know all the hype about how if you sleep on Casper, essentially you know you're going to live until you're a thousand because the mattresses are that great. Uh, they're making a mattress for crying out loud. I mean, yeah. it's a mattress. It's a not. They're not curing cancer. Uh, or not yet. Or they're not running a cloud offering that has insanely high margins like Amazon and Microsoft are. So, you know, money losing company with a lot of competition that isn't really doing much more than trying to market their way into duping people into thinking that they're creating a sleep economy, which, which doesn't really exist. I mean, I'd be very skeptical of this company. I Hey, I'm not saying their mattress can't cure cancer one day. It just isn't right now uh, or, or, or offer a cloud solution. I'll invest. When that mattress starts killing cancer, I'll go ahead right. and buy myself. Uh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, how much of it do you think is the fact that we've seen this shift, and your, your article sort of highlighted this, this shift away from these unprofitable companies and the, this focus now on, okay, when can you make money? When can you make money? And then it really specify. No, I mean, I, I think that really is a, a big point because I, th I think that investors obviously have been willing to tolerate losses in the past with, uh, you know, a variety of companies. You know, Amazon, I think, is one that had, you know, definitely needed to prove its business model to Wall Street, and obviously it's done so. But the thing that I think is frustrating for many investors now is that we had a stretch of IPOs in the, you know, late 2000s and the early 2010s, you talk about when Google went public, when it was just known as Google, now it's Alphabet, you know, and Facebook, when they went public, you could quibble maybe with whether or not they were going public at a price that was ahead of where their valuation should have been. But at least they were profitable. 
you look at a company like Casper, who knows when it's ever going to make money. And then obviously, we're seeing that even with companies like Uber and Lyft. I mean, the mega unicorns of today, which were the Facebooks and Googles of you know, 10, 15 years ago, they're not making any money. And then they're in hyper-competitive businesses. I mean, if Uber didn't have to worry about Lyft, I think people would be more willing to tolerate the fact that they're not making money. And then Uber has Uber Eats, which is also a highly competitive business. Just look at how poorly Grubhub is doing. So you just have these unicorns now that aren't necessarily tech innovators as much as they are you know, consumer companies trying to latch on to the mobile revolution of tech. You know, and they're just not making any money. And that's a big problem for a very skeptical Wall Street right now. I'll just say one more thing on this. I don't understand how any, anyone could buy a mattress online without having first laid down on it, but that's just me. I don't understand it. But. I agree with you, but that, that's why they are, you know, having physical stores now too, where you can try them out. They obviously have the guarantees, you know, so that you can return it. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's a business model that has a lot of question marks. Paul, just back to Uber real quickly. Uh, last quarter. Uh, coincided with the uh, the lockup expiration. Who knows how long they can last? Cash burn. This quarter, much different story here. Where where do you stand on Uber? Between I mean, such contrasting quarters, such different price action. Where's it? Where's the truth at with Uber? Somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I think that Uber under Dara has done a better job of trying to. Uh, show that it can be a company that acts in a more mature fashion and does not, uh, is not going to be out there just throwing away startup cash uh, left and right like there's no tomorrow. Clearly, Uber realizes that there is an onus on them to be profitable sooner rather than later. And I think that's why the stock uh, you know, went up as sharply as it did uh, after earnings uh, next week. I think they just have now a situation where they have really started to set the bar high for the remainder of the year. And I think if they don't show accelerating revenue growth again and uh, you know a, a real chance that they will eke out a profit in 2020, then uh, you know investors can be very unforgiving. All right, Paul LaMonica is a digital correspondent at CNN Business. He's also a great follow on Twitter at LaMonicaBuzz. Paul, always great to hear from you. Have a good one. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All righty. Thanks, Paul. All right. 828 now. Uh, where would you guys like to go? We can go in a couple earnings. Did we finish what we were talking about before, Paul? I think we did for the most part. Uh, let's go to a couple. When earnings. do you want the coronavirus ran? At the end or now? <laughs> at the end, please. <laughs> yeah, he wants to say the end. He's sick about hearing the coronavirus. So, okay, <laughs> let's talk stocks. Save it at the end, uh, to the end. So, let's, <laughs> let's do some earnings here. There aren't that many on a Monday morning. It's typically a later time in the week. Let's do QSR here, real fast. Restaurant brands, uh, Q4 adjusted EPS beat the estimate 75 cents versus 56 cents. Sales also nice beat 1.47 versus $1.15 billion. So, very nice EPS and sales beats for QSR in the fourth quarter. Uh, they gave some comps figures. Comps at Tim Hortons were down. Comps at Burger King were up, and Popeye's were Popeye's comps were up 34% year over year. QSR doesn't have a lot of uh, Chinese, China operations, do they? Like no. franchises. No. They're not a lot of exposure over there. And, and I think investors look to stuff like that as well. Um, it's trading up here. I'm not fading it for, for that reason. Like if this was one, and obviously we've seen multiple, you know, or, or Starbucks got a little lift on its earnings report, got immediately sold. I mean, the companies that have a lot of exposure over in China right now, those are the ones that they're selling on the bounces. I'm not sure. I'm just kind of, that's why I kind of asked you the question. I don't know how much if they have any exposure over there, but I don't see it as like, you know, I, I don't hear that they have a lot of exposure over there. So maybe that's the reason that, you know, this stock could actually hold up to that. See, this is what I thought we were going to get uh, when I said, uh, whatever the chicken sandwich menu was, was that Popeyes. September, September, October? Yeah, the Popeye uh, sandwich. Yeah, and this is what this is what I thought we were going to get uh, back then for the last earnings report. I guess we we're, we're seeing it now, but thirty four percent comms growth. That's unheard of for a restaurant. Is that good? Yeah. Is that chicken good? I still haven't had it. You still haven't? Had it? <laughs> Don't know. I love Popeyes. I know it's bad as hell for you, but it tastes good. It's like when I, Every once in a while, I go treat myself, bring the kids, and we go to Popeye's. I mean, even in Canada, sometimes Canadian uh, franchises that are based in the U.S., it doesn't taste good. It's good. Popeye's is good. Is that part of uh, your vegan diet? 
<laughs> the vegan diet ended. It was a two-week thing. I am now officially, so this is the diet now. I've moved to Mediterranean diet. My wife researched the Mediterranean diet is you eat meat a couple times a week. So, you know, you go out to your friends, they're having a pizza party, you don't worry about it, you have your piece of pizza. But when you're at home, you try to eat as well as you can. So, you know, if I, if I go out and there's a vegetarian option there, I take it. If there's no option, I don't, you know, get crazy. I'll, I'll eat some chicken if I need to. But I've been trying to clean up my diet. You know, I, I know I have some, you know, issues with my heart. And, you know, I just want to clean it up. So um, I do feel better. I've been eating like this for about three weeks. And I do feel better. Like all around, I think I have a little more energy. I feel a little bit better. I haven't ate any red meat, really. I don't think any at all um, in the last three weeks. Um, a little bit of chicken. Big support at 200, man. Big support at 200. Oh, yeah. My weight? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I started 212. I was 212 when I started this thing, and I'm 205, 206 right now. So I've lost six, seven pounds in lot three of, weeks. A lot of bids. Uh, a lot of bids at 200. It isn't getting under two. Not with my appetite, not with the kids. It's not getting under 200 anytime soon. We got a pop to QSR at 68 even. Just real quick, it popped up there. But if you are trading this issue, if you're long, the issue today or you're looking to short the issue there is a pair of highs at 6730 uh area that's from uh early in december so i'd keep an eye on that that's still 56 away you take that out why not why not try the pre-market high and then uh there's a pair of highs over 68 but uh 6730 level of interest here early in qs and then the other big earnings report uh from this morning is allergan they're reporting uh q4 adjusted eps of five dollars 22 cents versus a four dollar 57 cent estimate sales 4.35 billion versus 4.09 billion so again nice beats on the top and the bottom line for ag aren't they getting taken out yeah oh, it's out gosh I yeah. I always forget that. Okay. Yeah, I don't because I trade this all the time. I actually shorted Allergan this morning when I was trading oh, on higher one ninety eights, and I bought Abby against it. So I'm long Abby, short Allergan. I just have the pair on the spread on. I'll try to take it off when I can take it off. But for the most part, the, I think the ratio is point eight. What, do you have the ratio? I think it's like point. I traded almost one to one, but I think it's like point eight six. So it's a cash and stock deal. And if you look it up, maybe Spencer can look it up quickly. For uh, back I, I trade I, all the time and I usually trade about one to one, but I know that's not perfect. I think it's like maybe, 0.86. Maybe you should look it up before you do trade it. Well, one to one, 0.86. It's close enough. I mean, I guess if you got 100,000 shares on, it's a different story, but I don't have 100,000 shares of Allergan on. So uh, Spencer's still trying to find that. Uh, it, uh, here, I'm, I'm right there. Hold on. It's... Uh... It's cash and stock. I think it was like 0.86. I'm right there. I'm, why, I'm I know if I got 1,000 shares of, of AbbVie, it's 900 shares of Allergan. That's typically what it uh, is. Close enough. Uh, just close nice enough. day on AbbVie on Friday. I believe they had earnings um, trading up. So that's more yeah. the catalyst. Like Allergan will chase AbbVie, but I don't know how much, Al Al you know, because Allergan's the acquired company. 0.866. Sure there we go. 0.866. Okay, so I was good with 0.86. I round. I rounded down. I rounded. I was bad math, I guess. I should have rounded up to 0.87. <laughs> Big Go, move on Abby over the last couple of days, just kind of hanging out here near yesterday's high. So there is some interest here in selling this. I see a little pop to 93, but uh, let's see you follow through Friday's high. Friday's high was 92.98, 50 cents away from there. Big run up over the last week in, uh, in Abby. Got pounded off the acquisition. Nice rebound back up, keeping an eye on 93 in a DBV. Let's look at L Brands quickly here. Report stock. Report that they could uh, offload Victoria's Secret as soon as this week. Joel, what are you doing? We then don't know what Joel Alconan's doing because uh, he's long. I'm waiting to get back to even. What would Joel Alconan do? Good investor. I'm waiting for it to get back to even. Uh, <laughs> That's what I always do. Where is even's a little higher though? I think uh, if yeah. you bought because I think we both bought at the same time, but I sold. Yeah. <laughs> what thirty one, thirty two bucks? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I said, you know, the, on the chart, I said, I did not like your Peloton, but I loved your Al Brands. And the Al Brands went up a little bit. Now it's getting more of a lift. Your Peloton, you're in trouble in that bet, Joel. 
We, I got thirty. You got thirty-five. I got twenty-five, and yeah, you're still where, at it. But where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? Oh, yeah, twenty-eight. I need a little bit of. You got me. You, you may get you me. Need some life, but Al Brands. You know what? It's got some life here. It's been in the gutter. It's got you know the good dividend. It, it's on the, It's coming back a bit. You know, they're Al doing Brands everything can, right? I mean, they're doing strategic alternatives and. You know, they're doing everything they can. They're trying. I'm not buying it up here. I will tell you that much. I, I'm, I'm kind of ticked off at myself because, again, this was one that I had on for a swing trade. And I said I was going to stop out. I forget where it was going to stop. Oh, this was back when it was 20. And I was gonna, it was getting all that support at 20. And I bought the thing at like $20.30. And I said I was going to stop out if it, it breached that low of 1973. And it never did. And I still talked myself out of the trade somehow. I, I, I was up a little bit in it, and I didn't like the way it had two upgrades in a row, and it gave it back both days. And I was like, I don't like it when it's not going up on upgrades. And I talked myself out of it, and this was just a bad swing trade that I should not have talked myself out of. And obviously, I've got five points in it now. So horrible swing trade. Well, I probably well, would have gone. There was a I was going for a, a couple points. Too. Look at the day. Let's see. Let me look at – there was another tell in this one. I remember talking about it, too. Um, it was on the second, uh, it went there. I thought there was some bad news on it and it went down that day and bottomed, and then turned around. I can't remember. I'm looking at the pro here to figure out what, uh, what day it was, but no, I'm just not, you know, not buying more, not selling any, uh, pre-market high here in L brands, 25.54. Just moving up on the dailies. Uh, you're breaking out here. 25 was a breakout. 2485, 2488, 2470. It's going to be your support now in LB. Hey, we haven't talked FedEx in a while, have we? How is FedEx? But I pulled still along it. I mean, look at that Friday. It was a crazy Friday. You got to check this out, Joel. So did we talk about this on the show? On the show? FedEx, UPS? No. So FedEx oh. rips up. Was it, was it, first of all, was there a headline? Because I didn't really go and jump in and look at Today, the headlines. Yeah. Today? This morning, yes, UBS is upgrading. UBS. Okay, yeah, they get the headline this morning. But on Friday, yeah. the action was so interesting because FedEx ripped up like six, seven bucks, and UPS went down. UPS went down. Usually these two stocks, you know, they're not perfectly paired, and we know UPS has been kind of doing performing better than FedEx. But I tell you, in the last week and a half, that has not been the case, and especially on Friday. UPS falls three bucks, and FedEx up seven. You don't see that every day. No, and I'm looking. You do. I see some news around noon, beginning no, March. That, no, that's, that's not, nothing. That's nothing. No. I didn't really see. I, I took a quick look, and I really didn't see that much. So I'm not sure what the catalyst was for FedEx to really rip on that. It's getting obviously continuing up here this morning with the upgrade. Um, I'm still long. Full disclosure, I'm still long FedEx. It's in the long-term account. I like I said, I've been everywhere with this thing. I think I bought it like 155, and it went up to 200, and then went down like 140, and then back up like 190, and back. I should have been, you know, just trading out of this thing every time we got up 30, 40 points. And I probably could have taken 100 points out of it already. But I've just got in the retirement account. I just keep looking at it. So, um, you know, obviously trading this would have been a better story than long-term investing in it. But you know what? You know, this is uh, this is going to put the herd to some pairs traders, huh? That's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That yeah. move on Friday was like yeah. a wicked move. Wow. I mean, That's FedEx and UPS have been a bad pair for a while because FedEx right. has massively underperformed UPS. But now it's going the other way. It's just all of a sudden it's like, boom. Now we all of a sudden don't like UPS and we like FedEx. I don't totally understand. But again, we're trading with this market that has no logic at all, I feel like, to it. So stocks just go wherever the hell they want. So I guess somebody wanted it up and somebody wanted UPS down. That that spread went out almost $10 yesterday. On Friday. Friday, yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very unusual move. So be careful on that one. Sometimes when they get going one way like that, you think, oh, they okay, yeah. yeah, they can't go any farther. Some uh, pairs traders uh, underwater in that them. Well, yep, that was a bad day. We'll see if uh, UPS plays any catch up today. So uh, jumping over just a couple other stocks, I want to mention ExxonMobil is ex-dividend here today. So just for you ExxonMobil traders, 61.47 the close. It is not trading down 80 cents here this morning. The, the dividend amount is 87 cents. So it's actually trading in the green slightly here at $60.74. But, you know, first, we haven't talked the, the big oil in a while. I know, you, you know my thoughts. I, you know, I've obviously been bearish oil for a long time. But man, the ExxonMobil. This is always, you know, considered the best of breed. What's happened here? It's 5.73% is the dividend here now. 
Um, obviously, you know, you think that's going to give you some protection was 4.7. Now it's 5.7. So it hasn't given you any protection in the last month. I mean, yes, oil has come down and it obviously trades with oil, but Exxon always seemed a little more resilient. Is Exxon's luster starting to fade as being, you know, best of breed in oil? Is it Chevron now? Because Chevron's held up better. What are your thoughts, Mr. Alconnor? Well, Mr. Barry's thoughts. Um, and how many times have we heard this over the last month? Energy stocks might finally have hit bottom. Uh, point. Uh, this is Andrew Barry, very res well-respected uh, Barron's writer. Uh, he's he's blaming it on uh, coronavirus fears. And uh, but you know what? Why? Why I don't is know. the oil, I guess, you know, China's going to use less oil? Is that the thought process here? Yeah, just an overall slowdown, you know. Slowdown. Um, yeah. And, and, but yeah. how does he explain S&Ps and, you know, ripping? I don't, he's not. I, we haven't yeah. had it. We ever tried to reach out to Andrew Barry? He's pretty good. He writes, he, he might be, be too big time for us, but maybe I'll reach out to him. But we've heard this a lot about energy stocks, um, you know, hitting a bottom, I think. Mr. Yusko was looking at that, quite a few people. So this is a horrible relative performance. Remember when ExxonMobil used to be at the top of the uh, yeah. S&P components? Uh, trading down. So how much is it X dividend uh, today? Uh, 87 cents. So it's trading oh, up. It's wow. trading up this morning. The adjusted close is 60.60. It's trading 60.75, so it's up 15 cents right now. So it is trading a little bit higher, but people don't realize is that this is why the ex-dividend and the ca dividend capture strategy works because there's so many people that just don't realize it. So it's trading higher here this morning because people think they're buying ExxonMobil down and they're not, they're buying it uh, actually, they're, they're, they're buying it right now, they're buying it higher than the close. It's, it's, it's true. It's like I've made money doing dividend capture for 20 years and the stocks have a tendency to open and trade higher simply because people don't realize or and in, the other thing is, Orders don't adjust for the for the dividends as well. They do if it's especially dividend if it's big enough. For the most part, the brokers don't adjust orders. So standing limit orders, maybe a person sitting out there forever bit buying at sixty one is all of a sudden gonna get executed because the stock went ex dividend. I mean it sounds silly, but dividend captures work for a long time for these reasons. All right, yeah, true. Wow, sixty seventy four. You're right. We'll see. What was the low that you had in ExxonMobil a few days ago? This could be right on the low of the move. Uh, 60, 60, 60, 89. So, oh, no, 59, 89. We stuck under $60 on the fourth here. I don't know. We'll see a rebound, but uh, prolonged downturn. And then we talked about CVS where I want a, a lunch on that. I'm probably going to lose on Peloton. Or it's, I know it's a bag of chips. Was CVX you want a lunch on? Yeah. Remember you took remember that. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I didn't win a lunch. I, you got out for a bag. Oh, yeah. I got out with the skin of my teeth. There's a pop. And uh, so, so when we do, if, if I do win the Peloton bet, I'll have to buy your sandwich, or, or you'll have to buy my sandwich and pop, and I'll have to buy your pop and chips. Well, I'm going to buy it. I hit the bid right away. <laughs> or actually, I guess it was an offer. I lifted the offer on you right away. Remember those chips that used to come in a big can? What were those? Uh, Charles chips? Pringles? No, no. Big old red no. or or brown can. This is back in the 19th century? Yes. Yeah, someone will help me out here. Sorry, Joel. <laughs> uh, let's get to some tickers in the chat. Somebody mentioned Boeing here. Haven't talked Boeing for, I don't know, a couple days. Flying. Maybe a week. Been flying. Good day. Good day, Friday. Lots of bad headlines coming. They're just shrugging these headlines off. I feel like, you know, the market thinks they're going to eventually, you know, solve this max problem. I mean, you wouldn't be buying it up at 338 if that wasn't the case. It's held up very, very, very okay. well. Yep. Um, even in spite, you know, it's not really coronavirus stock, which you think about. People aren't flying as much. But, you know, the planes are the planes. You know, they're going to need planes. So I don't really see this as a coronavirus, you know, victim here whatsoever. And I think the market says the same thing. Um, it's all about the max. And we've had some bad headlines come. And you know what? They've shrugged them off. So, you know, 300 held. We took out the key 320 support. We were down there for a couple of days. We reclaimed it. I think all kinds of support down at 320 once again. So on pullbacks, gets down that area. I don't know if I'm buying up at 338, but we come back down to that 320 for whatever reason, probably buyers down there. It's probably a good support area now at that 320. Yeah, Dennis gave you support. I'll give you some resistance here. And it looks like we're going to be testing it today. Uh, this 340 area. Uh, we hit a yearly high. We'll just call it that. 344.19. I'll go up a little bit higher than that. That's your yearly high. That also is a little bit of a gap fill. So there's a nice target on the upside. You want another leg up? Let's you know get up to 344, close above 344, um, and take it here. But uh, you know, rebounded again. I mean, still, if you like, if you 
you know, we're not like, a, uh, you know, like give, using too tight of a stop, still that 320 area uh, still is significant. If you could take in the heat in two days, you're back up. You're back a profitable trade there. How about the chip stocks? Um, I'm still long Micron. I'm still long NVIDIA. And they've held up fairly well. I mean, AMD has come back, but just, you know, bouncing around. There's been some interesting action, really. I mean, Western Digital. Are you out of your Western Digital or are you still in? Nope, still in. Still in. You're still in that. Yep. And that's come back a long ways from the lows here, too. I mean, it's – what are your thoughts here? And, and, I mean, I guess we could just talk – if you just want to talk it overall, we could talk the SMH as well. Maybe that's the best way to do it on the technicals. But, you know, we were sold off. We come back substantially there with the recent market rally. Now we show a little bit of weakness in a few of these stocks. What I mean, are your thoughts here? Do technicals and SMH for me. Okay. I'm S- torn on it. I mean, until they – oh, wow. This thing bounces around pretty good. It does. Wow. Um, let's hold 140, right? Because you went yeah. – oh, no, less than that. Less than that. Because you had the all-time high there at uh, 151, 150.74. We'll call that 151. Uh, down to one thirty-seven fourteen. Right, let's four, see. Four right, yeah, yeah. What it got? I like to see it hold one forty-five here. But these things are, you know, what I've noticed with them. I mean, they just keep going one way until like they, like they turn, and then yeah. they turn hard. They're very, 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 very cyclical. But uh, keep in oh, mind. Oh, and we saw with Micron too. Like I'm somewhat concerned on my Micron. I'm back to even on Micron after you know, and I was actually up last week because I think I'm in at like fifty-seven bucks. And, you know, obviously, you know, I bought that really poorly and learned the hard way on the cyclicality of it. But, you know, 2018 went all the way back down to 28, 29, came up to 45, back down to 31. Now you're all the way back up to where you had all that resistance on Micron, 61, $62. It almost makes me want to, like, ring the register and, and get out of here on it, you know, with my money. But because I went so far with this, but, you know, then I think sometimes you do that and you come all the way back to even. That's when you want to hold it because the momentum's in your in your favor here now. And maybe this is when it's going to actually make a move. So I'm on my Micron, which I'm still long. I don't really know what to do. You know, who's pretty good just with this? looking and holding. You know what I would do if I were you? I would uh, maybe um, reach out to Sean Udall on Twitter. And see what, uh, see what Sean says. Yeah, Sean's pretty I, good on some some of these. Uh, you yeah, know, tech I mean, stocks. That's why he's a tech stock strategist. That's why I mean, he. He throws, you know, he throws his opinions out there. And so Sean's right. He's wrong sometimes too. But you know what? He's very knowledgeable, you know, in the fundies on most of these companies. Right. Like you won't find a lot of people who know more about the fundamentals on a lot of these different companies here. So obviously he's a contrarian in, na- in nature. I kind of am too, to a certain extent. I've been trying to trade momentum for a long time. But the natural, you know, you're, you too, Joel. I mean, we're natural contrarians to a certain extent. But uh, yeah, maybe Sean would be a good guy. I mean, he's going to catch in the turns, you know. Uh, you know it might- well, I, I got in Western Digital because of Sean. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll tell you right now, um, Sean, uh, I, I brought it up to Sean back, um, and this is going uh, back into, I'm just trying to get up the date, in 2019, middle of 2019. And I was like, Western Digi has come all the way back down to retest, you know, this mid-35 area. And I was talking with Sean, and, and I think I was even on the show, and I was asking his opinion, and he's like, I wanted to buy it. And Sean says, you know what? I kind of like it here too. And when he said he kind of liked it, I bought it that day and the stock ran, you know, and we know in the next month and a half, it ran up like 20 bucks. I sold it because I was like, you know, getting, getting up 50% in a stock in two months felt like a pretty good gain. Obviously I should have held it. It's, it's farther up than, than that now, but um, Sean was, you know, he's, he liked it there and then he ended up buying it down there too. So he does, he does do, he does call the returns pretty you, well. Can you start a new portfolio and it's like the show uh, guest on the show only portfolio? And then like every time you do a trade, like from Gordon Johnson. I tell you, we get some good analysts and, you know, I listen, you know, to the commentary on the show and then I analyze myself. And a lot of times the next day or even, you know, that morning I might go and buy it. I mean, you know, after the, after they give their commentary, because we get some good, you know, people who really know what they're talking about. Like I said, with that King trade, when Michael Pactor told our show that I want to stop covering the stock because I just want to go buy it for my own portfolio. I was like, well, that's a cue for me to buy <laughs> right now. This guy knows more about this company probably than anybody else. And, and it worked out. I mean, I bought the thing at 12 and I ended up, you know, getting taken out over, I think it was $17. I think you did so. it once. We haven't had him on in a long time, but I think Tim Melvin gave you one too. This is He fun. did. He gave uh, one of the, and, and Tim holds forever. So Tim is, he's a longer, he has a longer time horizon 
than Warren Buffett. Tim, if you're listening, we love you. He holds, and he'll tell you, he holds on to stocks for years, decades. You know, he looks at deep, deep value, and he's like, this company is worth this, and I'm going to hold on to it forever. So anyways, I've never met anybody with a longer time horizon than Warren Buffett until I met Tim Melvin. But Tim gives you some excellent analysis, too, and he's all fundamentals. Uh, we're getting a question from the chat about Qualcomm, asking if we can look at that chart here. Sure. So let's pull it up and look at uh, QCOM. Yeah, oh. they didn't. They did treat it real well off earnings, right? Didn't like. Yeah, I agree. I didn't like the response to earnings. I will say, as long as this is above eighty-five, bulls are in control. So, if you want to buy here at eighty-seven, I would put my stop right below eighty-five. That's how I would trade it. I kind of like, you know, the stock, and I think the five G cycle could come and help it. The wild card is the coronavirus. Obviously, you know, there's some exposure there for them as well. So, um, you know, below $85, I'd be nervous on this. 85 is my line in the sand. Uh, I see that. I see the lows under. Uh, three lows in the same area. You got to like that. 85.04. 85.16. And then one other low in that area. 85.54. So good support there. I see what you like about it. Uh do not, I mean, two lower highs in a row. Uh, and I believe that was near the earnings report. So yeah. a little bit of a step down seller here. Maybe you want to yeah. wait for that, uh, you know, that, that trend of lower highs uh, to break. Uh, but uh, Above 93 or 91 or 92. If you want to get the momentum going in your favor, maybe you wait till it's above 91, 92. It's kind of a coin flip in here. You know, you're in the middle of the trading range, 85 to 91. And, you know, at 87, I know it's 87 this morning, but. You know, at 85, I, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what, how that, if that can hold up. All right. We're getting we only got eight minutes. So you're going to give me a lot of time for my China, for my uh, coronavirus rant. We, we will have, have time. I promise we'll have time. Oh, we'll, Wait, are we going to put a time limit on it? We'll have time. Uh, uh, what, what am I down to? 60 seconds? Here's uh, what it's going to end in 60 seconds. Well, um, <laughs> that's a joke. That's just the producer. Okay, so, so let's do a couple more from the chat. Uh, he doesn't want. So no, like, I, I'm talking about the coronavirus. Nobody we cares. We'll get to it. Care. I will uh, let Spencer's you. Spencer's uh, holding his head. I'll let you get to it. I swear. The market. The market doesn't hat. care. Why should we care? Uh, okay, we had a question from. I just want to get to a couple more from the chat. Let's start with Pinterest here. P I N S. Uh, I got a position. I'm going to hold my comments back. Okay. It's just an overnight trading position. I'm long it overnight, but I'm going to get rid of this today, so I don't want to give any penny. You're long it overnight. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't want to be. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not working. This is going to be a loser, guys. My first question is, why are you long overnight? It's um, It was a big old red candle. It basically opened it to high. It's nothing to do with technicals. Okay. All right. Um. I don't it's know. A, it's just a hedge. It was everything is just oh, okay. So you know, I do the arbs, and I do you know when you get. I I've I don't have a lot of positions actually. It was Friday night. I took off early. I only have 19 positions overnight, but I get out oh. of these typically. That's why I don't like talking about when I have something in my overnight portfolio. I don't like yeah. talking about it on the show because I don't want to influence the stock. I don't want to be people saying, "Oh, you're talking your book," and then you're selling. So I typically do not talk about stocks that I have in my overnight portfolio. I will mention that I have it, and then that's okay. It. It's, I have to mention. I have to disclose it. Before I forget, oh, this is falling into the gap area. So I don't know what your hedge is long against or whatever, but this thing, the top of yesterday or the top of Thursday's range was 2330. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But Dennis, is there going to be a day where you think you might be have a lighter positions going in? I mean, is that impossible to predict? Because I got a guest that I want to bring on a super surprise guest and uh, he really can't come on until like nine twenty, and I know that's the worst possible. Oh, uh, you want to? You want me to be not trading during a day at nine twenty? Oh, no. Okay, all right. We might nine twenty is tough. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know. If there's any day unless I'm sick <laughs> okay. and I can't physically get out of bed that I'm not trading at nine. All right, I have... love a surprise guest. Got to get him on. I could stay on. You know, I stayed on with Jason Rasnick there. You know, the other day. Um, I know. Like I know. Pretty okay. late, but. The, the best day for me, the slowest day for me is usually a Monday morning because I don't trade much Friday night. You know, my, my wife and kids, you know, we like to go for dinner. So I typically don't have much of my overnight portfolio on a Friday night because I don't like trading much after hours on Friday night. And then so next, always, usually is the best day for me is usually the Monday. Okay. And next Monday slower. is we're, we're off, right? So maybe I'll try in two weeks. Uh, one more here and then, sure. and then I'll let Dennis do his thing. Uh, someone's asking about ST Micro, if we could look at STM. 
I haven't looked at that one for a while. ADR, so obviously already trading overseas. So, you know, price discovery is already happening. Held up very, very well. I mean, obviously we've got the chip stock here. This has been a hell of a runner. 2019, the stock was down to 12 bucks, 30 now. It's been a pretty good move. I guess the momentum's still in your favor. I'll say as long as it's above 28, the trend is your friend. say that. He took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, this. I read Joel's I, mind. Yeah. All the, Reading all your the mind, Joel. Mind you reader. Out. You came back to 28. Uh, two lower highs in this one. So I know we're, we're trading a secondary market, 3032, 2997, 2991. And is that an all time high at 3068? No, it's not an all time high. Uh, get over 30, hold 30, close, take that 3068 out, got another leg out. It's nowhere near all time highs and trailing out on weakness there um, at uh, 28. All right, three minutes left on the show. Dennis, you oh, have- He gives me three minutes to give my whole coronavirus rant, so... You have the floor. Uh, all right, so... Um, <laughs> so I had Chris Camilo from uh, Dumb Money reached out to me last week and because I was like talking about the cruise lines and talking about different stocks and talking about the market being irrational, um, saying, why are we trading at all-time highs? Why is China going up with all this potential weakness that we're seeing, you know, and, and obviously, you know, with China being... You know, half of China feels like it's being closed right now for business because of the coronavirus. So I watched Chris. He says, watch, you know, they talked about this on Dumb Money. Um, and I watched Chris's video. Chris, it was excellent if you're listening. Um, he just gave commentary and was talking about um, what, has, what has happened in the past. And, there, and I, I'm trying, what it was, it's called the national team is what he was talking about. In China, and he said, and if you Google it, this is actually true. In China, they have a team of investors that are supported by government money that support their markets. And he was talking about in the video that it's the national team, he believes, coming in and buying you know, up the Chinese markets, but also buying up other stocks. He was even speculating Tesla. He was speculating you know, the potential that the casino stocks, because they have so much vested interest there, that they do not want these stocks to go down. So he's speculating that this national team has just been let loose right now. And they are actually one of the reasons that the market is holding up really, really well. And I went and Googled this national team and he's right. You know, there's a lot on this on Google. You can read about this. So this isn't like conspiracy theory. This team apparently does exist and they're backed with government money. So he's speculating that a lot of this is just, you know, being held up by the national team, especially some of these markets, um, uh, um, uh, some of these uh, companies, U.S. companies that have significant Chinese operations because it's in China's best interest to hold these companies up. So I agree with that. I mean, I think that's a possibility here. Like I'm trying to figure out who's buying some of these stocks, you know, who's buying the casinos all the way back up when they had their run last week. And I know Wynn had earnings and then that knocked it down, but consider it had a pretty good move up. And, you know, maybe it's a speculation, you know, like Paul was saying earlier, that this is going to be a one and done. It's going to be a tough quarter for some of these companies, but, you know, it's going to be back to business as usual. But when you watch the videos of the stuff over there and you watch, you know, it, it doesn't look to me like this thing is, you know, and people are speculating, oh, it's getting contained. You know, we see 3,000 cases and it's 3,000 cases only the next day and the next day. It's not growing anymore. So people are, you know, speculating that, okay, well, it's not growing anymore. So this is good news for the market. They're getting it contained. But then you, you know, read posts from uh, Twitter, and um, I, I don't know if I'm mispronouncing his name, but I'm following uh, this medical doctor who's been on CNBC a few times here in the last couple of weeks, Scott Gottlieb. I'm sorry if I, I mispronounced your name, Scott, but he's saying that it may not be the case that, you know, that this is just stalling there in Wuhan. He believes that, the, that China is just at the maximum testing capacity. And that's why we're not seeing these numbers go above 3,000 cases a day for the simple reason they can't test more than that. So the, there could be 100,000 cases. If they can't test more than 3,000, you're never going to get more than 3,000 confirmed cases. That's all scary thoughts. And I just look at this and I see the markets trading at all-time highs and I'm like, who is buying this? I don't understand it. You know, and I, like I said, I'm still fully invested. I've bought some puts, you know, as insurance. And Chris was saying he was doing the same thing. He's still fully invested as well. He's not selling stocks. He still owns stocks like Amazon, but he's buying puts as well because the insurance is cheap. I bought more insurance on Friday. Um, and I bought uh, puts. I went out to June and I was able to buy. This is how cheap the insurance is right now. So on my portfolio, I was able to buy the SPY 333 puts. And the SPY was trading right at 333 at that time. So I know it's come down a buck 30 since then. We've fallen 13 handles. So it'd be a little more expensive now. But I was buying these puts for 10 bucks in June. 
So I've got all of Feb, March, April, May, almost five months of protection for $10 on 333. You're talking about like less than, you know, like 0.7% a month for protection from this. I was like, that sounds pretty cheap still, pretty cheap insurance. So I'm like, I don't know how this story ends. I hope it ends well. I mean, my long-term portfolio continues to make new all-time highs that goes up, but I don't want to be in a case where all of a sudden this thing starts to go into contagion and starts spreading, and I see my portfolio drop 20 or 30%, or even worse than that if it really gets ugly. I don't know if that is going to happen. I'm not predicting that to happen. I just, know that, I just don't know that it's not going to happen. And that's why I'm buying cheap protection. I continue to do. And it sounds like Chris is doing the same thing. And Chris, if you're listening, I completely agree with everything you were saying on that video. Um, I don't understand who's buying these stocks all-time highs. It's maybe FOMO. Maybe it's this national team that's a potential of it, a part of it. I don't think it's across all markets, a national team. But it might be something to do with why some of these stocks continue to be elevated when you've got you know billions of dollars at your disposal to hold up the market and prop it up. But everything that I see overseas doesn't look like you know we're you know in the last innings of this and this story is played out i still believe we're in the early innings of this and i don't know how this story ends i hope it ends well i hope they get the virus contained i hope the markets continue to make new all-time highs but in case they don't i'm buying insurance uh and for me i'll just go technical from friday uh we may you know we had a nice pre-market high i believe at 33.50 and my early focus was that all-time closing high from Thursday at 45 and a quarter. And on that good, you know, they kind of liked the jobs number and it rallied up to that area and it failed. And now you, you know, you've backed off, you know, 23, 24 points since then. So, you know, swing short, not a bad area. You have, you know, that, you know, I, I use the all-time closing high as opposed to the, the all-time high, but, uh, just things were sold in the number, nothing to do with the coronavirus, just the price action last week. We rebounded. I think for me, it's like to really be impressed would be have another week like last week, you know. And I- maybe we do. Maybe we're squeezing the shorts and we know this market has climbed a wall of worry for a long time. But this is a significant worry. And the only reason I never buy insurance. This isn't something that I regularly never. do. I have not oh. bought insurance since the financial crisis in my long-term portfolio. But I just look at it and think, I went through the tech bubble burst in, in the year, you know, 1999, 2000, and the NASDAQ fell 85% or something. This can happen. I went through the financial crisis when the markets went from 1500 SP down to 666, which is like a 70% correction as well. You know, not even correction, you know, this full on bear market. I don't think this is going to be that, but could the markets, you know, SARS, it went down 20% on. Could the markets, if we start to see, you know, this virus spread, is it potential that the markets could have a significant fall? I think this is a big risk. You know, you talk about tail risk. I think this is, you know, a significant risk that's worth hedging. Just because the insurance is so cheap. We're not at VIX, you know, 30 here right now. We're at VIX 15, you know, or are we close to VIX 15? Yes, it's going to be up here a little bit today. But insurance is fairly cheap. So I was like, why not? I don't mind giving up, you know, a few percent, you know, through, and you're looking at, you know, basically 3%, you know, to hedge yourself out to June. I'm willing to do that. Maybe the markets go up 10% and I only make seven. But you know, if the markets fall 40% and I only lose three, I'd be pretty happy I took that insurance. I don't think the markets are going to do that. But I, again, I don't know that they're not going to do that. And I'm very concerned about you know, what China being shut down and what that means long-term to the economy as well. So let's say the spread doesn't even spread. Let's just say you know, it doesn't you know, leave China for the most part, which it already has to a certain extent. We've got cases in the UK, cases in France. We do have some cases in North America. small, though. You know, it doesn't look like a contagion at this point whatsoever. Nope. But you know, just with China being shut down, you've got to think that eventually starts to show up in multinational uh, corporation next quarter. Earnings. Maybe next. It, 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 and maybe it's a one and done. And maybe they just shrug it off and maybe they don't care. But, um, you know, and, they, and in the Nike's case, Nike already warned and they bought the stock basically, you know, while well, they tried to buy it back. It's, it's down actually a little bit since then. But I just think, why risk it? Why? This isn't the kind of market that I want to be all in on. It's not the kind of market I want to be all in. And if I can stay all in and only risk 3%, that sounds pretty good. I don't know who's writing me insurance. Obviously, there's market makers. The market's doing it on the other side, and they're hedging themselves out as well. But when the market's willing to you know, write me insurance 3% for the next five months, on all the, and when I see all these headlines and all this stuff happening, and I don't know how it plays out, I'm going to take the insurance. All right, Spencer. All right. That was a nice three-minute rant that was not three. from that Dennis was, Dick. That was eight. 
That was me. Wasn't end of the world. Wasn't zombie apocalypse. Was just like I like the insurance play. Okay. And I wanted to talk about the Academy Awards. Oh well. Who won? Who won? What was the, what's the best picture? Say. Best picture was Parasite in a slow. I think a slight. Well, that sounds scary. Slight upset, <laughs> but not a huge upset. I think it was. Okay. One, Wasn't with nineteen seventeen or whatever it was. One of that was up there. Yeah, that was the I think one of the favorites along with Parasite. The only thing I knew and I I was that uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, yeah Joaquin. That, that, what, yeah. Jo- Joaquin got his great for him. Uh, Parasite cleaned up last night. Um, Irishman not a, not well. a great night for Netflix. Netflix not but a great I think night it's for still Netflix. trading higher, though, right? Not a great night for Netflix. They won, I think, no, one, one award last night. Yeah, the night. Irishman, I wasn't thrilled with that. No. Uh, all right. But we're no Siskel and Ebert. So no, we, we are not. Uh, all right, that's it for our not? show. I, I thought we'd we do it all. Thank our guest, Paul and Monica. You can always catch our show on our podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, or we watch us on YouTube. If you click on the link to Benzinga Pro in the description of this video, you'll get a two-week free trial and a subsequent discount should you choose to continue. We're also about two weeks away now from the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference in Miami. Go to BenzingaEvents.com to learn more about that. You can always give us a call, 734 Four nine four zero two four six, or email us premarket at benzinga.com. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.